the number one Premier League podcast in the world. By some metrics. What metrics? Advanced metrics. The most in-depth analysis. Goals. Passes. Other things. Bang! The funniest jokes. Boing! So this one time... <laughs> Loved by all the critics. Oh! It's all right, isn't it? Come on in to Prem de la Prem. Welcome back to Prem de la Prem. It is your match week. Hmm. Please hold. Please hold. Please hold. Please hold. Six recap. Match week six week recap. You know how those midweek games tend to do me. It's the same as it ever was here on Prem de la Prem. It's just how you left us. Patrick, how are we doing? Great. Uh... Feeling good to be back again every week as I've been thus far this season. Whoa, so feeling you sound a little different. You don't have that not quite British, not quite anything else lump in your throat. James, I was just feeling a bit under the weather last froggy. week. I didn't, uh, you know, I I was hoping it didn't come off uh, in the in the in the audio, uh, but in hindsight, it was it was quite quite clear. It was jarring, James. I sounded jarring. There's people, no other way to say yes. it. Yeah, people were confused and upset. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. uh, I mean, this can only be on account of you being at a East Coast wedding. How was that? A wedding where the groom was a United fan, no less. Yeah, it had its moments, James. I will tell you that. I really wish I didn't hit the swee after the disallowed goal at the Yard House in Fairfield, New Jersey. Brilliant establishment. They set up us in a booth and put three big TVs on all around us, complete uh, complete surround vision. They didn't play sound. I was listening to Elton John half the game, which was a, <laughs> its own thing. Uh, so can't comment on the environment, James, but the environment of the art house was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, the groom, yeah. Um, that's some I bad, guess it was his day, wasn't it? That's some bad Prem de la Prem bold juju, Patrick. Well, let's get into it. Old Trafford was the... Si- oh. Oh. What's oh. going on? Oh. James? Excuse me. I have a song to play for everybody listening. Oh, God. I know you He's have back. a segment you do, uh, Al Pianoforte, by my personal friend, Charlie Booth. And I want him to play for another, uh, como se dice, a special friend. Don't you forget about me. <laughs> Don't you. Someone get Antonio Conte. Can someone get Antonio Conte? Charlie! Charlie! Get what are you doing? We've got two see you agains. No, on the keys. It's enough. Get out of here. Well, uh, thank you, Mr. Conte. I don't quite know how you got in here. Yeah. But anyway, the bell has indeed tolled for Tommy Tuchel. Tommy Tutone's less famous German cousin. He served every role at Chelsea, from coach to director of football to expert in Eastern European conflict and geopolitics. He will always be remembered as the guy who came after Fat Frank, I think it's fair to say, only managing to win them the glorified friendly known as the UEFA Champions League and then the Club World Cup, where all the winners of those aforementioned glorified friendlies come together for one massive glorified friendly. His other greatest hits include losing to Liverpool on penalties. And who could forget losing to Liverpool on penalties? 
They had an opportunity for redemption from the spot against Charlotte FC in their summer tour, but once again fell short under the tutelage of Tommy Tuchel. But in German, Patrick, it's really quite beautiful. They have a saying which roughly translates to, if I don't stop shaking your hand, I don't ever have to leave this party. Unfortunately, Tuchel's party had to come to an end. Thomas Bartholomew Tuchel. He was once at Dortmund and then rose to PSG before he fell to Chelsea James. But once he fell, he achieved marvelous heights. The future was bright. The checkbook was open. But yet his time was short. I regret not bringing this up on the last podcast, James, but after the close of the transfer window, you had to imagine the pressure was on. I don't think anybody thought it would come this quick. James, was this sacking too early? I think it was, Patrick. I mean, we think back to what you were saying last week where you were strangely high on Chelsea. I kept saying we. I was so sick. Yeah, well, I mean... You, you were physically there. I don't know if you were mentally there because right. you were talking about other defenders getting a tutelage from Thiago Silva mm. and being a privilege to play in the Chelsea back line. I don't know. It was kind of a weird diatribe. But anyway, the pass is the pass, Patrick. It, it, was, it was a weird group text to wake up from because there were 30 queued up, and that was a sign for me to, A, wake up earlier on school days. Mm-hmm. But, B, I was like, oh, boy, there's been a canning. And I did not see it coming, Patrick. And even though I've had this day to digest it, it still feels too soon. They haven't been right all season, but you have to imagine Tuchel is the guy to turn it around considering he was the one who basically headed up the signings over the summer. They were his players. He got what he wanted. They had one of the biggest, if not the biggest, spends this past summer. It was the biggest in the end, yeah. It was. It, it did, Okay, it ended up being the biggest. It was a weird one for me, Patrick. And I, I, I find myself scratching my head as to why. I, I don't think the warning signs were there that badly. Or maybe I'm just giving Tuchel a little bit too much credit where, you know, sometimes the manager's just done and the players are done. And it's like, no hard feelings, we're just over each other. Maybe that was the case, but I didn't see it. What about you? Yeah, I... I again, I thought um, I thought we weren't talking yet enough about uh, the pressure that should be on on Thomas Tuchel. The way that we think, you know, at this stage, I think it's fair to say that you know two two good teams and two teams that we we likely rate at the very least are going to miss out on Champions League uh, Champions League football. So that is the aspiration. The spend matches that. So I thought the pressure should have been up absolutely. But there's a lot here that doesn't make doesn't make sense to me, James. So I've got to boil it down. Uh, to one thing, really, which is, I think, a bit of a, a bit of a power move uh, from mm. from the owner over Thomas Tuchel. Uh, we, we're going to find out a little bit more as the days come on, but it seems to, there's been a few different reasonings and reports, and has this been brewing since, unironically, the Florida Cup where Arsenal put four past Chelsea was a report that came out today. Was Ronaldo and and you know eventually getting Abba the point where. They didn't see uh, eye to eye. And you mentioned the mm. roles and the positions and the pseudo positions, no disrespect that Tuchel has held throughout this organization. He certainly was building something towards a a collective. And maybe there was a bit of a, a hodgepodge, but if I understand correctly, he was a part of bringing in 
uh, Timo Werner didn't work out. He's part of bringing in uh, Lukaku didn't work out among other players. And so if the team is still feeling a little bit hapless, you can understand he's still got some work to do. But I'm I'm, I'm just looking at their season here, James. Uh, you know, the the result against Chelsea I thought was probably a bit of an unfair one to 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 Chelsea. Or sorry, the result against Tottenham I should say a bit of an unfair mm-hmm. one. An embarrassment against Leeds. <clears throat> I would say an embarrassment against Southampton. Yeah, their away games have been terrible. Yeah, and then, you know, the the first match week, or match day, rather, of the Champions League, away, uh, difficult environment. I didn't think that they played that bad, James. I couldn't watch the whole game, but it looked like the keeper was standing on his head. It just seemed like one of those games. And so, for me, all of these things line up to maybe some early warning signs and we're not quite good enough, but we're six games into the league, into the league. They're right in the mix ahead of Liverpool yeah. on points. There's no reason to throw, you know, throw such a curveball into the plan unless this yeah. was the plan. And, yeah. and, and, and um, you know, Bowley was just waiting for a moment to get his guy in, whoever that may be. I mean, this might be an oversimplification, but the Abramovich era was the second you feel the, you're not going to make top four or challenge for any significant silverware. You're gone. The bully method is I'm going to go get this guy exactly who he wants over the summer and then fire him at the end of August. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it, it felt like he had that guy in Lord of the Rings whispering in his ear, like tainting his brain with bad <laughs> info. He's like, look at these guys. Yeah. They geez. just think you're, yeah, they just, they just think you're Abramovich's loser follow up. No one here respects you. You should fire that guy. Do it. Do it, and he just he just sacks Tuchel. It doesn't it doesn't make all the sense in the world, uh, you know. And I and I think that this is something as a as a rival fan, love it, love this recruitment strategy, love this management strategy. Let's mm-hmm. just have complete chaos. This yeah. is this is all the all the makings of a side in two to three years time. Who you know maybe they miss out on the Champions League here or there. It doesn't seem like spending is this guy's problem, so I don't really think that they got to worry too much about you know, where the investment might come from, but you might have a little bit of that, you know, Frankenstein squad that, you know, many other teams have had to deal with as they've gone through manager churn, where you have different recruitment strategies and identities kind of within the same team. I kind of, I couldn't put my finger on what Chelsea's transfer strategy was this summer to begin with. Now it makes even less sense. They got their number nine, Patrick, Penny for Aubameyang's thoughts. (laughs) Yeah, I guess they did. Uh, or, Nobody knew who he was till he put on the mask. They got they got because he was so shit. They got Tuchel's. Uh, they got Tuchel's guy. I don't know if they got Chelsea's guy. They got yeah. The they got his man. Uh, they got his man. But yeah, I mean, I think still on his day he can be class. But I think he's on the the downward trajectory and the bell curve of the career. So I'm sure he's still going to put up some some games and now in form uh, in this league. Yeah. He's he's obviously yeah. he's won the Golden Boot. But uh, this this doesn't seem like the squad that's all right, got guys. it all together. Lukaku was a bad idea. Now let's get someone who's more tired. <laughs> I will tell you, Obama Young was uh, for 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 about a ten game stretch there, one of the best pressers in the league. So on his day, on his day, on, on his, his day. day. Uh, okay, Patrick. Well, we are pretty good at breaking news here, and it's not a real story yet. But is Prem de la Prem ready to announce Graham Potter at Chelsea? I'd sure like to, James. I'm sure. I'd should sure we, like to. Should we break some news? Yeah, James, let's right. um let's go ahead and break some news. Okay. Why don't you start and I'll I'll chime in with the contract details. Okay. Uh Graham Potter has signed as manager for Chelsea as of nine thirteen p- 
Pacific Standard Time, Wednesday, September 7th. Uh, and yes, this is before Ornstein. This is before Romano. This is before any publications picked it up. We just have a hot tip, and it's mm-hmm. it's done. It's a done yeah. deal. Bullies Here in the go. States. We're not doing this on UK time. Middle of the night. Let's get the paperwork done. Signed, sealed, delivered. He's yours. Mm-hmm. It's not a here we go soon. It's a here we go now. Yeah, and James, the um, the word that I'm getting is a contract through 2025 okay. uh, with a club option to extend to 2026. Uh, he's going to be the seventh highest paid manager in the league after this is all said and done. And James, I'd say he's earned it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we were saying what was Potter's next move? He's going to reach down from Brighton and pull up a more prestigious club. And we technically weren't wrong. <laughs> Brighton in fourth, Chelsea in sixth. <laughs> hey, and that's it. I, I think with Potter, right? You know, this move just makes sense to me because let me let me let me ask you this, James: Is there a club outside of that traditional Big Six that is a step up for Grand Potter right now? Not list, obviously not talking in the table. That's that's not the case at all. But just in terms of you know, we look at maybe uh, 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 what would it be? Maybe an Everton or a Villa or yeah. a West Ham, Leicester, well, those clubs that have had sustained success in the European positions and competed and even attained top fours at times. Are any of those a step up for him? Or is is, is this really it? Big six or bust? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, Patrick, you'll recall we were talking about this last weekend. It felt like a solid next move would be one of those clubs that's performing worse but has a bigger budget and more prestige so the timing was wrong with Newcastle Uh, obviously the Villa job wasn't open either with Gerrard but it felt like if Gerrard was the first to go this season Villa would have been a nice move for him but credit to him for making the jump right up to Chelsea because he deserves a crack at the big time I don't I don't mean that in the sense that he doesn't deserve this I just felt like if you're taking the straight linear path, he could try that next thing before going straight to the big six, because I'm trying to think of a good comparison. I don't think this is it, but he's going to get his crack the way David Moyes got a crack where I don't think anyone's doubting that he's a good coach. You know, he did it at Everton. Now he, now he's been doing it at West Ham. That jump was just a really big jump. And granted it was a different situation at United following up Ferguson, but I don't know. It's, it's a different beast. It's a different beast. And Chelsea, as they've proven now yet again, are the most demanding club say, in the Premier League. It's the hottest seat. I don't think seat. there's a more the difficult seat. job. Agreed. I, I would agree. I think that's a, good, that's a good call. Chelsea is the most demanding job as a manager. I'd say, I'd say uh, third in the world behind uh, Real Madrid and PSG. That's what I would say. Yeah. Fair. PSG, you're not really a coach, though. You're just like a glorified PE teacher. Yeah, it's just like, can you win some tournament-style football after right. not playing all season? It's like, please respect me, Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe. Yes, yes, I am Graham Potter. No, uh, he's, he, he, I think he's up for it, but James, this is, as you said, I think it's the toughest job in the league, Chelsea, uh, for a number of reasons. Shortest leash, pretty big chaos, uh, and... You know, he's got a big job to do, but he's got a lot of tools to work with. Uh, he's got his boy Cucurella back. Uh, he's got, you know, he likes playing that similar system, that three at the back, five at the back, however, whatever we're mm-hmm. calling it. And he's got yeah, a front he's got three his, of... He's got his wing backs. Yeah, and he's got a front three of, uh, uh, you know, Solly March, Danny Welbeck, and Leandro Trossard playing like world beaters. And so I am 
in if I put myself in the Chelsea shoes, those shoes that I wore so well a week ago, it's an exciting hire. Of course, you're going to be a little bit nervous, but this is the, this is kind of an exciting. You know, maybe is this the, the the one that sticks? You know, I don't think anybody's sticking to Chelsea, but if if you want to really, I think get some some tactics in a really good, you know, uh, tool set. Uh, this is this is the guy that might be able to put it, put it all together for them over a couple year span. But yeah, I mean it, it's it's clear that uh, gosh, six games and one Champions League loss, six plays. Man, that's a real short leash. So whoever it yep. is um, after Graham Potter, when we assume he gets sacked, right. since he is already hired, we broke that news already, James. Whoever it is after, we're already thinking about the next um, one, right? Because he won't last forever. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think that'll be indictment on uh, on him. I'm just I'm interested to see if he's up for a job of this magnitude. Mm-hmm. Immediate expectations. You're you're right. Yeah, and we're gonna look like got the chops. We're gonna look like absolute mugs if it turns out to be Big Daddy Potch. I don't think it's gonna be, but uh, we you would presume if the deal gets done before Saturday, uh, Potter would have a little bit of a a get right game, a settle in game. No disrespect, but a way to Fulham. That is a tasty West London derby, but it is one that Chelsea traditionally comes away with victory on, and then the baptism by well. Ba- <laughs> baptism by fire question mark next sunday against liverpool at home uh either way a big game is a big game i don't care about the form of the club that is going to be a big game so we'll see how potter beds in to stanford bridge yep very very interesting or interested i should say james too to see how it plays itself out Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. okay well, I hear those keys coming in again. I'm just checking checking around to see if there are any rogue managers in my room. I think we're in the clear. Well, Patrick, the bell has indeed tolled for Scott Parker, Peter Parker's less anamorphically enhanced cousin. He was drawn to Bournemouth's famous coastal town by its beachside donkey rides, but it turns out he was the donkey who got taken for a ride. There's, there's no level of designer jumper that could pull the wool over his eyes as he saw what was truly going on at that club. Now we not only weep for Scott Parker's exit, but we weep for all men who no longer have a reason to tempt their wags into a 6 a.m. showing of Arsenal against Bournemouth AFC. Very well said. I will address that later. But yes, yeah, Scott Parker... Very handsome, James. Oh, excuse me. Um, Scott Bartholomew Parker. Um, very handsome. Uh, he had a career as a player, had a career as a coach, and now he has a career as a golfer. He has time off, James. He seems to be very good in the in the championship, but not at the level of the Prem. Believe it or not, not that long into his management uh, career. You know, he just started with, with Fulham. Uh, you know, what was it, four or five years ago? Uh, and he's had those two journeys, getting up from the championship back to the Prem. Do you think we will see him again this early in his management career? Do you think he's going to get another crack? And if so, at what level will he get that crack? I do think he's going to get another crack, Patrick. And he might not be the most deserving, but I don't think we've seen the last of Scott Parker. What I will say is, on the one hand... It is very interesting how much of a leash these English managers get in the Premier League, where they get a lot of respect 
from the media and sometimes it's earned, sometimes it's not earned. And with Scott Parker, it always felt like he was a, a, a better tactician than people gave him credit for, but that might've just been the way that the media was shaken up. Now, on the other hand, it's, it's, you have to give him a little bit of, I don't know if credit's the right word, but an excuse in what you read about Bournemouth over the summer where uh, Scott Parker, you know, he might've said a few things live on air that he maybe shouldn't have aired out dirty laundry wise, but he essentially said, yeah, it kind of sucks when your team owner doesn't go out and buy you players. And then the owner's like, hey, stop it. And then... (laughs) And then Scott. And then he loses nine nothing. Yeah, and then and then he goes and loses nine nothing, <laughs> and the owner's like, "Ooh, what's this ace in my sleeve? Yeah, I got you for a full house down the river. You're out. <laughs> You're out, son." I think a severance package is nice for a Premier League manager. So I don't I don't know that he's really he's crying too hard. Uh, but yeah, tough tough job, Burnmouth. They did win a couple games on the not win a couple games on the bounce. We got some points on the bounce, Burnmouth. Uh, turn in a corner, unlikely. Uh, but a stirring you know, comeback in their last game. Yes, quite. Yeah. Um, Dean Henderson in the mud. Yeah. And I do, I do agree with you, James. I do think we'll see him again. Uh, and I, I think we'll see him, uh, by way of one of those yo-yo teams. I think that he'll, he's, he's happy to go back to the championship. He's shown that and take a team up and he's shown that he's capable of well, doing that. So his, his level might be around the, you know, 20th to 25th best manager, mm. In, in the, the land, in the, in, the, in the country, yeah, you know? I'm willing. So if that's where he's at, then that's where he's at. I'm willing to call him the Mitrovic of managers. You know, he didn't mm. he didn't really get it right his first couple Not times around. Of course. Well, if you would let me finish, oh, he sorry. didn't get it right his first couple times around. <laughs> lights it up in the championship, then maybe on his third time around he'll come good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was what I okay. was going to say. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So he'll have to work. Yeah, he'll have to work pretty hard yeah. with Lester. Lester next year, James. Watch out for Scott Parker with Lester next year. Just watch it out. So, Patrick, there was a Prem Duel Prem Bowl this weekend. Hmm. Do, do you... Who's there? Do you, want, do you want to say anything? Or do you, do you want me to say something? What do you want to say, James? Well, first off, Patrick, thank you for or asking. Or how about this? Oh, what do you want me to say? I want you to want me to say something. I do, genuinely. Okay. Well, first off, Patrick... I think Arsenal are a really good team. There, I said it. It's nice of you. I said it. No, yeah, I think they're a really good team. I think Arteta's got them playing really good football. I can see that now. He's the right, you know, this is, I know how this sounds. (laughs) I'm being, I'm being genuine. (laughs) I'm being, I'm being really genuine. I'm willing to give you the benefit of the doubt, but I'm not buying, I'm not all in until I hear the end of this. He's the right man for the job. And you all are going to do some really good things. They're clearly further along in their journey than United are in theirs. And if party was fit, who knows? Uh, so I want to give you some kudos there. Now, I'd also like to apologize <laughs> because I like to think that we are friends first and rivals second. And I came in a little hot on Sunday morning. The problem, Patrick, you see here, you bear the brunt of every Arsenal fan that I see online who you could not be further... Mm different than 
And these fans think they can simultaneously be this plucky, lovable underdog team, as well as the sleeping giant behemoth massive club that is Arsenal, who were so cocky coming to Old Trafford, (laughs) having played strictly bottom half of the table clubs, and I, I just lost it. I just let it out. I hit yeah. you with the see ya after the third yeah, yeah. goal. Yeah. It was uncalled for. With, it was uncalled for. Yeah, yeah. Especially after saying uh, you, you you were gonna you were gonna pack it in until full time. <laughs> Pop your head up like a dirty little groundhog after that one. But no, fair play, fair play. And it was it was one of those games where I think it could have gone either way, mm-hmm. but I think on every on the full ninety minutes, you know, it was a. It was a fair result, and it was a good game. I think that that was something that I was, was a great game. pleased to see. I was pleased to see a little bit of rebound out of Arsenal, uh, and we can talk about Arsenal, uh, Arsenal in a second. But I, I do appreciate your um, your apology, if you will, okay. uh, James. And, and it was it and I'm was glad that we've. I'm glad that we've come back to this uh, this side of the this side of the fence. Um, but as I talked about on the last podcast, when talking about Arsenal. The last podcast or the last, last podcast? The last podcast. Okay. Um, as Arsenal had won four games on the trot. I see. I said that winning four games on the trot in this league, regardless of the opponents, regardless of the situation, is impressive. doesn't happen all that often. And look at where Manchester United are, James. I think that they've had, they've had two statement wins on the year. Mm-hmm. The one is looking like less and less a statement as days go by. And then two statement losses. And so to be here... Just four match weeks after what was probably one of the deeper pits of despair in United fandom that I have witnessed from the outside. It's bizarre. Where is your head at? It's tough fixture ahead at Crystal Palace. It's completely bizarre, Patrick. I uh Yeah. I I don't know. I it's it's a weird one to digest because I think if you said, hey, United fans, six game into the season, you will have won four and lost two. And in your brain, you're like, okay, we probably lost to Liverpool and we probably lost to Arsenal. That is about exactly where I think United should be. A team that can't quite cut it against the top six, but is like doing a few good things. And that, I mean, the way this season's played out is absolutely insane. And I think yeah. the biggest, the turnaround was obviously in the transfer market. You know, I think the, the Glazer relationship is an interesting one because they do invest money, not their own money. They open up the coffers a little bit more, but they, when, when the heat is on, they go out and they, they panic buy. And sometimes mm-hmm. panic buys are just overpaying for very good players. We haven't seen a whole lot of Casemiro yet. We certainly saw Anthony, who's got a six-figure price tag attached to him. And I think the one that really is bearing fruit is uh, are actually the ones who weren't panic buys. Martinez and Malasi at the back, Patrick. We are we are looking mm. stout back there. We've only conceded since those two games, a goal against Arsenal and a goal against Liverpool. So most impressive for me, I think the way that we're playing football, it's it's not. I I said it last time. It, it was Ollie Ball with a good defense. I don't think that's, I think that's still a little crude. I think it's, you're seeing little pockets of 10 hog football in amongst this stern defense counterattacking play. Uh, and, and, and I just hope that that, that continues. Obviously we're going to have setbacks. I'm not ready to, 
not ready to talk about top four yet. Talk about anything. I'm just enjoying this, this vein of form. And, uh, I, I, I just have to say beating Arsenal with less possession and just goals from clinical counterattacks is like the most iconic United versus Arsenal rivalry thing ever. It was just a lovely little, yeah. just great little throwback. Yeah. And to make the, you know, make the, <laughs> make the transition, right. You know, I, I, I don't know, you know, kind of on on the whole, if there's, you know, it's probably still Spurs, the team I'd like to lose to the least. Uh Uh, But I'm just going to hear the most about it when it happens against United. That's the thing. So it stings a little different. And James, it was one of those games where I think, again, fair play to United. I thought they played good defense. Uh, Varane and, and Jesus was a... A brilliant matchup to watch. Veron, I think, obviously got a little bit of the better of him, but loving loving what I'm seeing out of Jesus. I think he was the best player. I think he was the best player on the pitch. That dude's insane. He doesn't stop. He really doesn't stop. And him combined up there with Martinelli is something brilliant if Sokka can get himself back into form. Uh, Did Sokka miss a sitter in this game as well? I believe he did. So here's the thing, Patrick. he did. Yeah, I I, I hope the, like... I hope now the genuine sentiment is is really ringing through. I think Jesus was the best player on the pitch. I think you were right about Martinelli. I think that like that is a, he's a that menace. is a top. He's a menace. He's not the finished article, yeah. but you can tell there's a top player in there. Odegaard, mm-hmm. I think you can see his quality pretty clearly. And it, for some reason, it only hit when they were playing against United. And I think your good problem to have is that you have the most question marks about Saka in that front four. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's a good problem yeah. to have, where he's the guy where you're like, I don't know if he's going to cut it. Yeah, and that's where that's where I really. I, I, and it's a weird thing to say because he I scored, respect, but yeah. yeah, respect the uh, the decisions that Arsenal made in the transfer window, but late, late, late in the window, uh, you know, Pedro Neto, uh, Fernand Torres both got offers from Arsenal, but they never really formulated into anything. And I think that with um, what's his face uh, Pepe being sent out on loan, he's been relegated to what's his face. Yeah, back to back to France, where he'll do, he'll 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 do marvels there. Uh, I I think that Saka simply needs rotation. I was looking at some numbers. There's very few mm-hmm. players ever in the league at his age, and the list is very very short to to the degree of Wayne Rooney and maybe a couple other players who has played as many minutes at his right. age. Uh, he's the second longest consecutive match streak in the Premier League, and he's 21 years old. Just turned it's not it's not good. Actually. And so these are the types of things that I think the kid's worn down. I think he's a brilliant, brilliant player, and he'll 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 come back around. Um, but yes, I think the Arsenal has some class. They've been playing well. This is the type of thing where it's early enough in the season that I'm taking this right on the chin and saying, look, we we showed a little bit of resiliency. I think we were beat a bit tactically, if we're being yeah. honest. Uh, we played a high line. We got lulled, lulled in. We got pulled in, which uh, I think United knew they can do. And that's where... You know, if a team wants to to to, to go at United, uh, you, you gotta you gotta kill them like that because you have the tacticians and you have the pace and brilliant brilliant balls in and and then of course, uh, you know, of course it had to be this game. Rashford figures out how to get himself back into form, but good finishes in the end. So I think Arsenal were just missing that final little piece. In the there's a lot of <laughs> balls that just kind of drifted around the penalty spot. And no one was there to to get them, but they'll be fine. What I really look forward mm-hmm. to is this game. At home against Everton, well, get right how game. many times have we seen? How many times have we seen Arsenal lose a game and then let that be the beginning of a negative trend, right? And so you have the midweek game uh, in the in the Europa League, then you have the game at the weekend. So 
the rhythm gets a little bit messy. These are the types of things where Arsenal do need to improve. You know, we're, I, I don't have any concerns. Talk to me after the Everton yeah. game uh, because that's a very, very important game in a game that at home against Everton, despite their recent result, Arsenal absolutely need to win that game. And they win that game. Obviously, we're still top of the table, uh-huh. but that's not the point. The point is that we're able to kind of tend, go back in the positive direction uh, because that's, you know, just show me that you're not cowards. Right. You know what I mean? That's what that's what I'd like to say. Right. Um, I think... Because that's all I think it is against Everton. I think there was very much a period in the game, honestly, from halftime even to right after you scored the goal, where I was, I was very nervous that you guys were going to go on and win it. And then Arteta... I don't think it's, I don't think, it, I don't want to make it a big thing. I think he just showed a little strange naivety, like he didn't know what United was. And he like put his defenders on the halfway line and took off width and brought on more central players and play, moved to three at the back. It felt a little strange to me. So I, I don't want to make it like a full on like inquest into tactical decisions. I think you, you guys are going to be just fine. Uh, the, the the break and break glass in case of emergency was still first place, and you got to you got to just type that out online, and no one would really see your facial expression. But sure, I, I think truly you will be able to just brush off this game if you go and just get that win against Everton and stay first place, and then it's like right. okay, let's let's buckle down for is it Spurs right afterwards or another one? No, another. Uh, I believe it's. I think it's like a way to Brentford or something Ooh, like that. Tough uh, on the on the way they've been playing. Yeah, tough on the way they've been playing. That was also where we lost last year. So then it's it's that game that I believe it's an international break, uh, and then right back at it with a four thirty North London derby. Mm-hmm. So that's a great way to kick off a weekend. But anyway, no, Tasty. yes, I, I impressed by both teams, uh, and I, and I I think it's 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 the trajectory they both want to be. Well, not obviously Arsenal losing on that game, but I think that's the... You can see the growth a little bit in both teams. I agree. We didn't see a whole lot of the Ten Hag ball, but when it did come out, it is fluid. And then the you know the combination between Bruno and Eriksen is... is I didn't see them playing together well, but they, they, they are in those little spaces. So, good to see for you, I'm sure. Eriksen's a fucking madman the minutes that he's been playing. Yeah. I mean... When you're living on borrowed time, James, I think every day is a blessing, you know? So just get out there, live it oh, up. It's not a pacemaker in him. It's a, it's a dog. Him. He's a goddamn bionic man. That's not a pacemaker. That's the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, scenes when both Arsenal oh. and United make the Champions League this year. Prem well, Prem haters in the mud. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be that would be something It would be else. the first time I... Oh, oh, wait, Ever hang on. I, in the history of the league. I, I was I was about to be inadvertently mean. I was going to say it's the first time both Arsenal and United make the Champions League in the history of the podcast. Thank you for saying it that yes, way. I will say it that way and leave it at that. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about the Martinelli goal ruled out now or just save it for a certain segment? No, we'll yeah, chat. We'll chat, okay. we'll chat about right. that in our Kevin Friend's namesake category. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Anything you want to say about the transfer window before we move on to Seggies? Not entirely. It is closed, except um, in certain areas of Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I guess the only the only thing really that stands out. I mean, we touched a little bit on uh, kind of what you know Chelsea and obviously what happened at United. Maybe the missteps there. 
Um, Arthur coming into Tottenham or to, to, to Liverpool bolster that midfield. Uh, Conte within the end of the window said they were two windows out and then he didn't get any more signings. And by the end, he said they were three windows out. So interesting to see how that team, though Richarlison's a freaking madman, that guy is just perfect for that team and for Conte. And that identity uh-huh. is, 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 is brilliantly hateable. Um, so my attention kind of goes to what didn't happen, James. I feel like everyone kind of did their business uh, and it goes to one team. Leicester Talk City. To me. Bottom of the table, Leicester City. Bottom of the table. Brendan Rodgers seems to want out. Uh, I talked about it. Great research that I did uh, about what's going on with the ownership where they don't have the money to invest. Mm-hmm. I think they sold Fafana for six, six, 60, 70 million. They gave Brendan Rodgers 15 million to reinvest. So that's what the situation that, that, that is going on over there, what they're working with. And James, Leicester City, they've got the one draw, the five losses. And I look... You know, they have some winnable games coming up. They're hosting Villa. They're hosting mm-hmm. Forest. They're away to Burnmouth. I got to feel like over, you know, October, really, looking at their schedule, they've got to dig themselves out or else it's going to get real, real bad. This is their winnable stretch. Uh, I They've had some, you know, Brighton is a tough game. Chelsea's a tough game. United's a tough game. Arsenal. They haven't had an easy run in, right? No. So let's not throw in the white towel on them yet. I thought the side they put out against United, I looked at it on paper, and I go, that's going to be a tough a tough right. matchup. That's It's a decent right. enough side. It wasn't in the game and how it was played out. Uh, but I, I do think they have a good enough side, certainly, to stay in the league. They should get themselves out of, out of trouble. But it just seems to be this self-fulfilling negative kind of thing where – they got themselves. They clawed back into the game against Brighton, and then they just kept losing, kept losing it, kept losing it. Uh, they, I, I don't know what it's going to take, but it, it doesn't seem like um, Brendan Rodgers got what he wanted. Uh, yeah. So interesting I wonder, to see how this plays itself out. I wonder out. how it feels to be a player coming to training and and tactical sessions and your day in day like, out, and your boss just yeah. doesn't want to be there. Just clearly, uh, right? You know, and they lost their Can't they lost good. their leader in Casper Schmeichel. They just sold him off to Nice. Yeah. A very they were sleeping on very that. strange one. And now you've got the infighting. They took their first batter. You know, they've been losing games, but they took their first battering of the season against Brighton. Like, I think against Arsenal, they showed spirit and then just got sucker punched twice, if I remember correctly. So I don't put that quite yeah. in battering territory. But against Brighton, there was like infighting and yelling at each other. And Tielemans doing the least in tracking. <laughs> Good God. And... uh yeah, it's it's not a pretty situation. We'll see how Woot Feist does. It's an interesting name. Just covering for Fafana there, who got out at an interesting time to go to Chelsea. So we'll see. We'll see. I do. I do I feel think that's for the another. Foxes. I do think Luster did bits with that business as well. I think they they robbed Chelsea blind with that fee, uh, but they're. I don't think they replaced them from an on-field perspective <laughs> in any case. So, uh, yes, just a quick one. Ninth, tied for ninth in goals four. So they're still finding a way to get goals in. You can see the class up top, but they are uh, second to bottom in goals yeah. in goals allowed. So they, whether it, maybe it hasn't been a, a battering here and here, they've 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 been getting slapped around they're, in each in in, in these games. They've been given given up. They're goals. having to play Indeedy as a center back, who's arguably your one of your best players, and you're just playing him out of position. Soyuncu's hurt, right? Uh, no, Soyuncu's on his or way out. Or. Okay. I think they tried to sell him, but they couldn't. It's a weird one. Oh, that's not yeah, good. Yeah, it's a weird one. Really not good. Okay, so, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, he's still there. He's still there. Our, let's keep our tabs um, on Lester then, shall we? 
and I guess maybe this is one of those windows or one of those, um, yeah, the turkey the turkey window might still be open, so he might still be on his way out. Mm-hmm. So we we call it Thanksgiving here. Oh, understand. Thank you. Thank you for that clarity. I'll I'll just take that going forward. And never ask another question I'll again. Show myself out. <laughs> uh, okay. So what else took your fancy in the uh, transfer window? Nottingham Forest doing a madness. Remember when we said I don't recognize any player on that team? They went out and did like a FIFA greatest hits. I'm just going to rattle some names off here. Sheik Kuyate, Emmanuel Dennis, Jesse Lingard, uh, Dean Henderson, Willie Bolly, freaking Renan Lodi from Atletico Madrid, who's a good, <laughs> who's like a very good yeah. player. That one made no sense. And then uh, I think they just picked up Serge Aurier today. Yeah, did they? real strange one. And that's not, that's like half the names on the list, less. Yeah, and James, you know, they were, um, so they are they are sitting, they're, they're on four points with a number of teams, but on goal differential, uh, they are 19th in the table. Uh, and so I think we were coming into the league, uh, right, we're looking at Fulham, who've been relatively impressive as the team, you know, that was going to be nailed on to go down along with Burnmouth. And a lot of people were talking, ourselves included, about Nottingham Forest being, you know, the, this year's Brentford, Brentford or a few years ago Leeds and the Wolves of that team that comes into the league and is able to establish themselves. And as I was looking into this, I was okay, they're not really hitting the hitting the mm-hmm. mark so far. They had ended up losing six starters from a year ago. And so obviously you have some turnover and some change, but that identity that made them, you know, a little bit special, and I know we were talking about maybe is it, is it the manager or is the coach, you still have to rebuild that. And it's a hell of a time to rebuild a promoted team in the Premier mm-hmm. League. And so I... I worry about them a little bit, James. Where I, they weren't really on my radar, but a, a come from behind win against Burnmouth, right? You know, you can't. I'm not going to get into the some of the other things. I mean, the the win over West Ham is remarkable at this point. Uh, but they've got you know Leeds, Fulham, Leicester, Villa, Wolves. Those are the next five fixtures for them. Another team along with Leicester. I I think both of these teams kind of have a real. They need to have a sense of urgency about their upcoming fixtures before they know it. They might be sitting on you know. Seven eight points, you know, with with twelve games into the season. Yeah, Leicester signed nobody and are in twentieth. Nottingham Forest signed two full first elevens and are in nineteenth. Neither one was a good strategy. It turns out. Yeah, it just tells you, James, that um, balance is the spice of life. I love that. They should put that on a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're more okay. On. Freak of the week, Patrick. Prem de la Prem's Freak of the Week. Freak of the Week. The Freak of the Week. The Freak of the Week. It's the Freak of the Week. Wow, what a freak. I am going to go out on a limb and tell you my freak. It's the boys in the booth, Patrick. It's VAR. They had a flagship weekend. This was got to be one of the worst weekends, and it's my freak as well. Didn't even yeah, need a no. guess. Uh, it's talking VAR. One of the worst. One of the worst I've seen. There's what we did with VAR, what we didn't do with VAR, when we decided to put up a couple of offsides flags, because I guess we're doing that again. <laughs> and then there's some absolute brain-dead decisions that really make me think it goes back... It, it has to be the deployment of the VAR. What do all those things so... have in common, Patrick? 
Yeah, what a, the people. Uh, it's how do I make this about me? <laughs> no matter if you're doing something or consciously not doing something, it's like how do I put my how do how do I Lee Mason put my mark on this game? It's fun, yeah. remarkable. Well, the so which yeah. wh- do we want to talk incidents? Let's talk incidents. I think first it's worth noting they put out a very proud statement going into the season, which was we've gone back into the workshop taking a look at VAR and our general rule for this season is minimal interference, maximum impact. <laughs> <laughs> they're having an impact. They're not wrong. Yeah. Like, well, about the, yeah. I mean, they're wrong about the first part. Uh, and didn't, you know, Mike Dean, he, he's supposed to be retired, but he's still working the booth. So, you know, maybe the shadow you know, commissioner, the man, the man behind uh-huh. the curtain, old yeah. wizard of Oz. Yeah. So James, what is the uh, what was the biggest? Should we start most egregious? The biggest freak. Yeah, let's go. Let's go in freak size. I think the most egregious for me, Patrick, was Edward Mendy. It's got to be. be. I mean, that dude is having a rough time, and he did not earn any new fans with his antics against West Ham, taken away from their equalizer. Those hammers were not happy. And the beautiful thing about this one. I don't know who puts his boot into his chest, if you want to call it that. I think it was Jared Jared Bowen. Bowen. Mikel Antonio tucks it away for a dramatic 2-2 equalizer. The ref sees it in real time. Imagine being VAR guy, and you're watching these scenes unfold, and you're like, oh, hang on a sec. You should come have a look at this one. <laughs> I've seen something, and you should come have a look. And, of course, this is where you... You blend the play acting into all of it. That makes it a little more unsavory because that's exactly what happened with Mendy. Uh, but I, is it one of those things where if you watch anything slow enough, you see what you want to see? I'll tell you what, it's like James. Blue dress, purple dress. I think you really, really got to tip your hat to Mendy on this one because masterclass. No matter how slow you do this replay, there is not a fraction of a pause in his reaction from whatever the contact that was to I have been fouled egregiously. If he so much as did a... a De Gea tried this against Arsenal, but it turned out it was... Yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was Fred, so it didn't work out. But it was, he, he, had the, he had the idea. He had the idea, and Mendy executed it perfectly here because all that he needed to do was take one look up or you know, be Try like, oh, to shit, save. have one of those yeah. moments... And then go into a tuck where it would have looked forced. He didn't skip a beat. Save the goal. No thanks. I'm going down. I trust the boys upstairs. That's an incredible point. That's how uncomfortable he was in his own goalkeeping ability. Where he's like, there's no way I'm getting the second save. No, it wasn't that far away. (laughs) You know, and he had the time to do it. Spillage on aisle three. All of that aside, this is one of those things where, like, are we not allowed a bit of contact and we do slow things down. Uh, we see it in real time. We could talk about another and it's going to look like a foul, right? I mean, and honestly, it, Bowen didn't really, yeah. he didn't get the ball, made a play on the ball and grazed Mendy on his way all over. Sure. It probably nicked him a little bit, but play on boys, play yeah. on horrible call. Never a foul. Hilarious, hilarious scenes, especially after what Chelsea Seem to go on and get a dramatic winner of their own. The dramatic equalizer taken away. Thought Moyes was nailed on in his uh, uh, criticism and soon to be fine uh, that's going to come with his criticism of the decision uh, that that was made. And it's, it is remarkable that we can look at it and think think differently. Uh, you know, 
not, do they ever watch the replays in like full speed? It seems like they only watch. I think they cue them up. VAR knows what it's doing and they cue it up for the on-field ref. They're like, look at it, how I saw it. And it's going like a quarter speed. It's, you might've seen it with eyes, but I saw it with slow eyes. With heart. (laughs) Do you think that there's an audio that's going on in the background where it's just Mike Dean just going, Oh, I see clipped him. And then just, you know, he's like, Oh, I guess he did. He he did clip him. (laughs) Uh, But moving on, James, for me, the, um, the, the second worst one is the the uh, McAllister goal, the rule out on McAllister's yeah. uh, wonder yeah. wonder strike one. for a missed bicycle kick that was a shoulder offside. Uh, I guess we're saying the header that James Justin made would have mm-hmm. been better. I don't know if who's been watching Leicester Football Club and mm-hmm. could say that, but if they said it would have been better had uh, whoever it was, I, I forget, attempt a bicycle kick. And then you know the ball goes the goes out and gets banged on in. I think that there's a, it's just a it's just a nerd decision, James. It's, it's just a nerd. decision. And it goes exactly back to that point we made at the start of this, which was, how can I affect this game? And you see this, <laughs> you, you see the scenes from what is arguably the best goal of the season so far, at home, fans loving it, euphoria, what we all go to see soccer for. Then you got the boy in VAR being like. Oh, you know what? Yeah, sorry. I think we're going to have to pull this one back. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, I, I don't think that people would care as much as they do if, uh, even you remember uh, last year in the United uh, Arsenal game, Eddie Nketiah standing right in the way of David De Gea doesn't get ruled out for offside. Uh, you know, which, I, I kind of like that to the degree. I mean, unless you're like nailed on blocking the view if it's far away enough. I don't really like that. But like, we need to define what impact yeah. play is. Is it exist? Because that's it's what it soft. seems to be. I don't like it. I agree. I don't like it at all. It's very soft. And McAllister got his go- the ball. Don't yeah. lie, Patrick. I uh, I have to say, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah, we will. Mister Ball, don't lie. I got another one for you. I got a few more for you. How about this one? Uh, Palace shoving Joe Willock into Vicente Guaita to get Newcastle's goal disallowed. I like this one. It was an interesting take on VAR, which was let's mm-hmm. double down on a foul and have it go against that team. Yeah. yeah I there's, like this one. Well, James, yeah, I think it's the new bowling ball clause uh, where if you are a pin, you are responsible for your own actions. Absolute joke. Reminds me of the Callum Chambers one a few years ago uh, where he gets hacked down from behind falls into somebody, and I think it was Socrates who scored the goal, and then it got ruled out uh, for yeah. Callum Chambers yeah. running into somebody. Uh, it's remarkable. It's, everything is being looked at in a vacuum. Absolutely everything's being looked at in a vacuum. And mind you, the tinfoil hat's coming out, James. Okay. Wasn't this just a week a week after uh, you know Aaron Ramsdale was hugged on his goal line, and we don't want to call goalie <laughs> interference there, uh, but we want to Let call this one. Let me just bring this back to Arsenal. We want to call this one. Yeah. No, but anyway, it is the inconsistency is what I'm trying of to point course. out, James. And As Arteta uh, has many times. Well, yeah, we can we can discuss. <laughs> uh, but he, it's it's a it, that one. I can't believe that, we, that this has waited this long because that one actually might be the most actually egregious. Like, what can Joe Willock do? There? Oh, it's it, and also it was an own incredible. goal. That should just be you should be punished for making the foul and then having the ball bop you right in the face and it's going incredible. To you should be punished for that full stop. I think it's like someone absorbing something 
with zero context and fully literally, and they're like, well, Willick's just knocked Guaita over. How could, how could this be? It we don't stand foul. for this. Yeah. Uh, and what made this one for me, what made this one for me, it, it was, I forget his name. I don't even know. He's not even on our freak radar yet because he's such a young referee. And he did not call anything on the field. He didn't call anything new blood. on the field. What's VAR there for? Clear and obvious errors. And you've got Lee Mason, the veteran in the booth, saying, hey, young buck, get your ass over to this monitor. You got something to look at. And They're training them to yeah. do shit. Yeah. I think... They're training them to see things that don't exist. I think the... Yeah. Also, there was one official, I don't know who it was, but there was one official who was kicked out of the Australian League for being so bad. In Premier League's like, yep, come we'll on through. Him. Yep. And yeah, now he's one of ours. imperialism. We just take the best and brightest from our colonies. Well, yeah, again, the same way what is, you know, what is interfering with play, you know, what is what is best and brightest. We're we're we're, we're working with um limited tools here, mm-hmm. James. Uh, personal favorite of mine also from this bouquet of beautiful decisions was the uh, close range handball penalty given to Nottingham Forest against Bournemouth. Michael Oliver, the referee on the day, gets called to the monitor, says, no, I'm keeping my decision. First time ever, Patrick. The monitor shut down. He says, no, I like my call. This one, as far as everything goes, I actually respect. I didn't think yes. it was a penalty, but I think it's about time someone stood up to the the all-powerful all Oz behind said, the no, curtain. Yeah, I don't think that's clear enough. I do think yeah. Michael Oliver exactly. did it out of complete pomposity, but I'm, I'm not letting that take away from the moment. 100%. 100%, James. I think it's a beautiful thing that he did. It should happen more often. I almost thought we were going to get it with the, um, yeah. the Odegaard decision, with how long... Old donkey brain yeah. was looking at it, uh, but that's another one where you could it's tell tough he because to. I think I think that that one was um, ooh that one was right on the line, wasn't it, James? Because I think it was a foul. It was a foul. Uh, but man, he was staring right at it. He was I'm 10 just yards annoyed. Away. I'm annoyed that our, okay. How, how do I phrase this? I'm annoyed that Arsenal fa- are are the ones who get to feel aggrieved when I'm like, but 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 it was a foul. If if that makes sense, yeah. like VAR should not have overturned it. That's not what VAR is there for. And I think this used to happen all the time, where goals would happen from fouls that didn't get called. I get it; it's part of the game. And I would have I would have been the one who was whinging. And of course, I'm glad yes. it went the way it did. It was a foul. But it was a foul. It, it was a foul. I hate when people say like soft foul. What does that mean? Does it mean it was not a foul? It means I don't like it. <laughs> Turn up at my door and tell me it wasn't a foul. Actually, I said soft about Mendy, and that also wasn't a foul. So it can mean right. both. You James. can be soft. It can mean both. And it's also one of those where I think we're punished for how brilliantly we broke. We do a little <laughs> bit of build up there. You're not pulling that back. You're right. It was so, a classic Arsenal was too good moment. Just, I felt that way all day, James. Mm. Really did. Really did. A um, couple more that I want to give a shout out, and then we'll, 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 we'll close it. Uh, the Coutinho goal was just hilarious to me because of all of the offsides that we let run fantastic. as clear as Absolutely day as they fantastic. are. I don't, I'm not sitting here and saying we let, we let a goal. City stopped playing, and I don't think uh, Ederson even tried yeah. to save the ball. Uh, but 
just hilarious the the how obviously onside he was when you look at the replay at least how quickly the linesman flagged it almost seems like if you're going in you have all the leeway but if you're coming back you don't have that's the one they flag all the time you see that yeah. flagged where you know it's just like a goal kick or something a free kick and they just bomb it up and then it's flagged you're like what the hell just happened those offsides they don't seem to really care too much about because they're like oh that's not going to lead to a goal that one was a great one and then another one uh the Reese James kick out Nailed on red card, James. Mm. Nailed on red card. Mikel Antonio, big old tough boy, doesn't react. If he pulls a Rudiger, you know, then then uh, then my boy's off. But another one where, you know, th- these ones are the ones for me where you want to, what VAR can do is so beautiful. What VAR could do is start to get some of the, the play acting out of the game. Remove the dives. You know, punish people with the yellow right. cards for making the right. dive. Get... You know, not force somebody like Mikel Antonio to go out, go down, and act a fool, and punish somebody for the act of its own. And again, he didn't really get him that imagine, bad. But imagine opening it's up a red that card. can of worms where you're using VAR to retroactively go back and punish who people who are just shit housing. Yeah, James, there's a there's <laughs> a uh, there's a longer podcast that we could do about my idea. I I think I could fix this. I think it would be a little trial and error. We could show up on Capitol Hill, two men in suits and a briefcase, and get this all figured out. I could get this whole We'd be in the complete wrong place, but it just feels like the right place to be. And I know that makes sense to you. I think that we could get enough done. I think we could get enough done with what goes on in Capitol. Let's reach across the aisle. One of of those bing bongs would would help us out. Yeah. Guaranteed. Great. Great roundup. Great job, VAR. You guys are really flourishing in this game that we love. Beast of the week, Patrick. Huge beast. Huge beast. What a beast. It's the beast of the week. Wow, look at that beast. James, my beast of the week is Todd Bowley. <laughs> this man. The Bowley ball. Is just big dog flexing. First of all, you seen this guy sitting in the booth? He is a dawn. He is a Don. He's he's got some bodies buried, figuratively and literally, James. But what I'm giving him my beast of the week for is the big daddy flex he pulled on Thomas Tuchel. Don't think it was a good decision. Think he should have given him more time. But that's what a beast does, just eating a raw egg. And that's what he did right in Thomas Tuchel's grave. Here's what he did. He wanted Ronaldo. Tuchel wanted Abba. He says, you know what? Here's Abba. But guess what? Fired. It's the biggest, biggest power move I've seen out of an owner for no reason yeah. in a very long time and he's getting he spent the entire point. summer saying you know what you're in charge and then he was like wait a second i make the calls around here and just fires him for something he let tuchel do and honestly wanted him to do it was a strange moment of like memento style amnesia where he's like what have i two, been doing two games since this window closed one of which they won <laughs> one of which they won <laughs> And he pulls the plug. Yeah. Uh, good luck at the bridge. But I'm here for the ride. I think this is going to be awesome. It's going to be interesting. And I do think they'll continue to win some things here and there. I just think that that's kind of... I, it doesn't seem like the Chelsea I love that his modus operandi is like, I just want to keep being Abramovich. It's yeah. like Chelsea... It's or I've got to prove it's Chelsea heritage. Yeah, who knows? Is that what it is? It's like, this is how we do things around here. We fire coaches. I haven't been able to get it sorted yet, James, uh, but it's it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to Potter watch. Potter time. Patrick, 
I didn't get cute with my beast. I'm just going Erling Holland. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going Erling Holland. He's the prototypical beast. He's the reason the segment exists. Ten goals in six games, Patrick. I know you like stats. He's on pace for sixty-three. Sixty-three goals. That's a lot of goals, Patrick. The record is held by Salah, who has been nothing short of a donkey. Um, he's got thirty-two in a thirty-eight game season. Is Holland breaking the record this season? I mean, short of an injury, absolutely. It's, you get you're getting the absolutely. How he does it. Okay. Yeah, I I I don't see how he doesn't. Uh, and I think the thing that he does just. I mean, he does a lot of things really, really well, but he is he, he is one of the best poachers I've ever seen amongst many of his other skills. And that team knows how to put balls yep. in dangerous areas. And now they have somebody who, I mean, he was throwing Tyrone Mings around, you know, in the in the in the Villa game. Uh, he bodied somebody off in the the Palace game. I think Gahey on one of those goals. He's 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 yeah. got it all. And then he's just got this amazing. He's kind of got the Ibrahimovic level of acrobatics and flair and ability to put a foot on a ball in all sorts of angles and just get goals. And I think De Bruyne is probably going to break the assist record as well. I don't see how either of those these two things don't um, don't fall. He's a he's a special special player. And what I'm just blown away is how quickly it's come to be. But that's just been the story of his career. So fair play to the lad. Oh boy, yeah, it's going to be a season. It's going to be a season for Holland, and he's he's just impressive to watch. Quite. Men of culture. We are the men of culture. Men of culture. Hombres de cultura. Ooh, that's cultural. Patrick. Frankie de Jong was on the bench again for Barcelona this past weekend in La Liga. Uh, f- that's just a fact. I'm just stating facts. Barcelona tied on points with Don Unai Emery's Villarreal in third place. They have not conceded a goal in four games. Pretty cool. Barcelona's just one to watch, isn't it? aren't they? With the the transfer saga, their $50 billion bench, and I guess... Rules don't apply they to them. They just so, straight up got away with it. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. They were like, look, James, we released uh, Braithwaite and Pjanic. Happy? <laughs> it's like, oh, God. No decorum. No, none at all. But I do expect to see a uh, a fun battle for uh, for La Liga between certainly them and Real yep. Madrid. We'll see if anybody else sneaks into the, into the mix. But... I think the I think the boys are back in town after a couple of years of people wondering if uh, it was the end, but it was never going to be the end, not for those two great sides. So from that perspective, the footballing perspective, I'm happy that they're back on the no, back on the up and up. But favorite. the rest of it, they're they don't deserve it. Favorite. So they're in like dire mm-hmm. straits financially, and then have a Galacticos summer, and nothing happens. <laughs> it's just mortgaged future for immediate gains. Everything I hate about this world. You know what? I'm done with this podcast. I have to think they will pay the price for this eventually, but sure. there's sure. enough in history <laughs> they to won't. suggest that they are too <laughs> yeah. big to yeah. fail. So I don't think that they actually will. I'm no history uh, buff. But all signs are pointing. <laughs> all signs are pointing to that. Uh, James, my men of culture 
is not sure if you saw this, but uh, the Champions League offside lines. What a nice little touch! I have a couple seen. of bold figurines. No, yeah, yeah, they got a couple of bold figurines. They make a, a solid plane, so you can see basically where they're drawing the offside line and whether or not this other bold figurine is coming out or not coming out of the plane. Uh, and I just think it might not be better than the lines from an yeah. actual technical are they offside perspective, but it's going to calm a lot mm. of people down. Because they're gonna say, you know, you know how in the like the U.S. Open and the tennis, they're just like is that in or out, and they just do the big old camera, whoop, and then they show this long oblong shape, and you're like, well, that ball must have been moving pretty fast to make a shape like that, yep. but it's clearly out. I think that's what's going to happen with these offside lines, where we're just going to see something so cool, so engaging, so something that is not so clearly Mike Dean putting on his <laughs> reading glasses and zooming in as far <laughs> as he can. This is my biggest thing I hate the most. I think I'm going to draw the line here. Is when when they're just sitting on an image for like 15 seconds and nothing's really happening. And then they just zoom in. I'm just like, oh, you guys. Oh, you guys. Uh, But in any case, uh, I thought that was a cool little thing. Show us how to put this objective in objective. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, congrats UEFA for once again proving that there are actually many things the EPL does way worse than every other league in Europe. Okay. <laughs> goal of the week. It's the solar.com goal of the week. As always, the goal of the week is brought to you by solar.com. Find the most competitive solar bids on the marketplace at solar.com. Use the code PREM500 for $500 off your solar project at solar.com. I think we've both alluded to it enough. I'm giving it to Mr. Ball Don't Lie himself, Leo Messi's bastard brother, McAllister over at Brighton, just yamming in a fuck you free kick after his potential goal of the season <laughs> got ruled out. Getting his, yeah, make it make five, it five it? two, little cherry on top of the cake to send the boys, the seagulls, home happy. He big dogged them. Yep. Might as well, James. Uh, should have been his regular goal. His regular goal would have been my goal of the week. That was a screamer. And so he's getting a little bit of a boost uh, on top of that. But brilliant, brilliant goal. And, man, yeah, just to, he just he just blasted it. He just really blasted it. Sometimes just those free, those free kicks like that, they're, sure they're next level. I'm not sure if we have a soundbite for this one, but we're hitting goal of the month. And that, for me, Patrick, it's a strange one. It's out of character for me. To go two free kicks, I'm taking Kieran Tripp's the free kick against City. And I'll tell you why. There's something about going goalie side on a free kick that just hits different. You're not going over the wall. You're saying, hey, I see you, and I raise you. I'm going to the curl corner right where you're standing. Get your plant foot wrong. And when it's... When it's against a team like City and it's a pivotal goal and the stadium reacts, that also plays a factor for me. It's my goal of the month. James, I'm a bit upset because it's wow. my goal of the month as well. Wow. Uh, Just no origin no don't originality. Like don't here. like it. No, it's really hurt me. I didn't me. think you were it's gonna really go hurt for this me. One. No, because I I and I was thinking I maybe I was just on the free kick tip as well. And I was but I just it was it was the goalie side, the 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 
kind of just yeah. kind of going away from him the way that you wouldn't expect it to go. And then at the time, you thought nail in the coffin, Newcastle just pulled a coup and just took three points off a of city. That didn't. That wasn't how it ended. Uh, but they went up three one in that game at home. Newcastle were all vibes to start the new season, and you know it was just a brilliant goal. I mean, at the end of the, I think Newcastle won their first game and now have four draws out of their last five. So they're in a weird, weird little run. Uh, but man, what a goal! Really bummed that we both picked it, but maybe it was just that. I good. think in so many things where we are different, we come together in moments of mm. sheer ingenuity. And that is what I found in this Kieran Trippier goal, and I'm glad you found it too. And honestly, mm-hmm. I think the Prem heads can respect that. And I hope that they do. Or challenge us. What is your tell goal us. of the month, Prem heads? Don't lie. Please tell us. Mm-hmm. Reach out. At Engage. Prem de la Prem podcast. Tell us, you idiots. You This was the muffins. goal of the month. Or you were genius. You absolute donkeys. District, Patrick. Welcome to the Degenerate District. Step right up, step right up, come get a ticket at the Degenerate District. Time to spin the wheel in the Degenerate District. Welcome to the Degenerate District. James, the boy, is on fire. Hitting all the MLB bets. Hitting all the Premier League bets. Hitting. I like how you started with MLB bets, before James. Premier League on Prem de la Prem. Well, I, I, can't, I haven't been keeping my log, so I don't know what my actual percentage and record is. Um, but <laughs> the way it works, James, is I usually put in a whole bunch of money before the start of the Premier League season, and by the next Premier League season, yes. I need to put in a whole bunch of money again. The harvest moon. And so far, uh, and usually it's not the Premier League that's my undoing. Uh, it's usually the UFC parlays. But, but... The account as a, as a whole since the start of the season is up a whopping Name 19%. Name a more iconic duo of Crowley Barbecue and losing 100 bucks on a UFC parlay you convinced <laughs> me to do. Yeah, the first fight of five. But anyway, the kid is on fire and the kid is riding all plus odds. Lock of the week, James. We're taking a Liverpool middle finger result. I'm taking Liverpool at home against Wolves. Wolves who are coming off of a win, but hapless, hapless, James, I think they are. Without that win, we'd be talking about th- another sacking, I think, relatively soon over there. But I got a minus 2.5 mm. at plus 195 at mm-hmm. Anfield against Wolves after the Champions League result, after kind of having yeah. some tougher a stand uh, up some tougher games in the game. league. I think they're smacking them around uh, this game. And Liverpool are scoring joint tied for uh, third th- or second most goals uh, just behind City. So they are scoring. They're, they're just conceding. They're not even conceding. How the hell? They got a nine-goal differential. They are a joke on nine points. Anyway, meatball, James. You talked about a bounce back. I'm going to slam it right in your face. Big old pie right to the face. <laughs> Cherry, cream, boom, both hands. You thought both it was one or the other. Comedy. You got them both. I'm taking Fulham. Fulham plus 320 against Chelsea. Fulham have had a murderer's row. They've already played Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, and Brighton. Those teams are very, very good, and they still find themselves sitting 10th in the table, James. I think they are very, very tough out this season. Um, they have only lost by they've only lost two games away to, to away to Arsenal, away to Tottenham. Both of those games were two to one and hotly contested. I think Fulham I, I I'm big on Fulham right now. 
I'm I'm almost willing to say that they're going to stay up, maybe in another podcast or two. But I like them at 320, hosting Chelsea. Very bold. In a bit of chaos, a bit of disarray. My donkey, James, this is a value bet. I can't believe that the spread in this game is minus one and a half to City. Tottenham going to the Etihad is plus 600 to get the win. I don't think that they necessarily are going to do it, but I think this is a competitive game. Tottenham are playing some good football. They're getting results. Uh, I believe, are they still unbeaten? In the league, they are Correct. one of two unbeaten teams in the league, Correct. along with City now. And so, this is what the this game. is the unbeaten bowl, James. And so, to get plus six hundred, this is by far our game of the weekend here. But to get plus six hundred on one of these teams, Steve feels like you got to take it. So we're going to rock that donkey. And we're going to ride it into town, and we're going to tell Lord Farquad that Fiona's <laughs> ours. Incredible. I've got nothing left to say. Glad to have you back on this one like you've always been here and like nothing has changed. And I could say the same for you Prem heads at home. It's great to have you all back. And of course, we will catch you on the flippity flop. What's going on, Prem heads? As always, thank you for listening and following along. Please remember to rate and review us on whatever streaming platform you're listening on and spread the word far and wide about the benefits of being a Prem head. Mm-mm. Remember to follow us at Prem de la Prem Podcast on Instagram and at the Prem de la Prem on Twitter for all of our content. Until Until next time, Prem de la Prem, out. That might just be the one take right there. Yeah, right there. I might not even have to touch that.